0: God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, Master of the universe, Lord of all creation, can it be that we are the people of... God, graciously forgiven. Can it be that we are the people of the Lord? The Lord? Our Can it be that I am the child of my wonderful God? God.
1: Last week I mentioned that we were going to look at early church worship and to kind of learn from their example. Well, in this lesson, we're actually going to narrow this down because as I started preparing uh, the different scriptures for us to look at the book of Acts and to learn from the Apostle Paul and other uh, people from the early church about the way that they worship, I found that it was going to take a, a very long amount of time and it would be kind of difficult uh, for a Sunday morning lesson. So, Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to look at one occasion, really, from Acts chapter 13. Now, this takes place in the uh, Pisidian Antioch, is what that is. So it's Antioch of Pisidia. And the Apostle Paul, he comes there and he preaches in the synagogue. And I believe from this example, if we kind of look through this text, we will see a lot of things that, Kind of give us the examples of the types of worship that the early church did and especially the type of worship that paul himself was engaged in so let's take a look at that together in this specific example of the life of paul what we're going to see that he talks about and kind of the content of his message uh centers around three things here the first one is going to be the people of israel now this is an important part to paul and he always kind of closely connected himself with the people of Israel. And we're gonna see that in this sermon as well. So let's take a look at verses 13 through 22 together. Let's begin by taking a look at Acts chapter 13, verses 14 through 22. Paul and his companions went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word of them saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt with mighty power. He let them out of that country. For about 40 years he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So, In this passage, I want us to take a look at a few different phrases that show up. Let's see those together. The first phrase here in verse 15 tells us a little bit of insight into worship, not just that took place among the early church, but also worship among the synagogue people. See, those people who worshiped in the synagogue, they would be Jewish people. But we also see that as they addressed them, that he said, fellow Israelites in verse 16, uh, and you Gentiles who worship God. So we see that there is a little bit of Israelites and Gentiles worshiping God in these synagogues. But when they came together and they worshiped in the synagogues, from verse 15, we find out that they read from the law and the prophets. This was one of the main things that they did in the synagogue, is they gathered together to listen together to what the law says and to what the prophets said. But then we find out from verse 15 that they kind of invited Paul. And by the way, this example from Acts 13 it's just one example of many where we see the same type of thing happen. This is just an early one that we see from Paul. So we find out that the leaders of the synagogue, what they did is they asked Paul and his companions, if you have a word of exhortation from the people, please speak. Now, that's kind of very different than, than us. You know, typically in our churches, we, uh, we don't necessarily just open up the, the pulpit to just anybody who might be traveling through our area at that time. But apparently that's what they did in the synagogue. If you were known to be a a traveling preacher or some type of a missionary, you know, something with with a message, some word of exhortation for the people, you were oftentimes just given the opportunity, you know, given the floor, so to speak, the ability to just kind of proclaim those things and to, to speak this message. So what is this message? This message that Paul shares is one that deals closely with the people of Israel. I mean, that's why he kind of addresses them in verse 16 as fellow Israelites. But then in verse 17, we find out that he is specifically always gonna be talking and kind of retelling this story. And that's an important thing to learn is the story of God, the story of the people of God. In verse 16, he addresses them as Israelites. But in verse 17, he says, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He's, He's sharing with these people kind of what he does share in common. And he's explaining to them that he is a, an Israelite, just like that they are Israelites as well. And they share this same story and he kind of repeats this story. Sometimes we need to hear that story repeated. So perhaps if, if we are you know kind of accustomed to, to hearing the, the story repeated in our churches, it's because uh, the people who are speaking, they're just sharing this, this example that we have from early on that it is a retelling of the story of what God has done. Now, Paul has a, a very specific reason why he's talking about this, but he's he starts off about this people of God, this people of Israel. We need to make sure that, that we always recognize the important part that people do play in this story of God. I mean, after all, I've said this numerous times, and, and probably you're aware of this already, but, you know, God could have, if he had wanted to, kind of just with the snap of his finger, so to speak, or at least in that that, uh, short of an instance, he could have spread the entire gospel message across the entire surface of the world. But he didn't do that. He sent his messengers. He sent people with this message to proclaim it throughout all of the nations. And this is part of that fulfillment that that Paul is, is telling them. But he's telling them that it does start with the people of Israel, because after all, God started with the people of Israel. And he had a very important part in which that people was going to serve. And they sometimes lived up to it. They sometimes didn't. But it was still God's desire for people to be part of this story. And that's what he wanted them to do. And this is kind of this retelling of this story that leads up to uh, here we see that that Paul is talking about David, who was a man after God's own heart. And he speaks very highly about David. Well, there's an important part that David is going to play. And that is in the next bit that we're going to look at. So let's look at this other bit. After Paul talks about the people of Israel, he moves on and starts talking about the promise of God. You could just as well say that this is the promises of God because God promised several different things that he fulfills. But we are going to take a look at these promises of God. So let's keep looking here in Acts 13. Let's look now at verses 23. verse 31 now this man's descendants that he is talking about is David okay he just talked about David a man after God's own heart verse 23 from this man's descendants God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised before the coming of Jesus John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel as John was completing his work he said who do you suppose I am I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him through Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Let's look at a few things in in this passage right here. Here on the screen, we have a few uh, phrases that I think are very important to recognize. Whenever it comes to these promises of God, we find out in verse 23, that part of those promises, and I mean, ultimately, I would say what all of the promises lead up to and the the significance of all of the promises is about Jesus Christ being the Savior uh, of the world. We also see from verse 26 that um, Paul says that it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. This is related to Jesus Christ being our Savior. Well, that message has got to be sent out as well, and that message was. And that message was was part of those promises, that message and that promise that Jesus Christ was going to come, or at least there's going to be a savior of the world. There's going to be a Messiah. All of this was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We see from verse 27, this is where we get a little bit of insight. And I guess if you want to say this is a little bit of a a secondary thing for us to take notice of in verse 27, we find out. That the words of the prophets are read every single Sabbath. Now, I mean, you can kind of already put that together because whenever you attend the synagogue, okay, it's going to be on the Sabbath day. But here we find out that they read from the prophets every single Sabbath. But now, what is the significance of that? The significance is the prophets are being read from every single Sabbath day in these synagogues. Surely they should be able to pick up on these things and recognize what Jesus Christ was doing in their midst. Sadly, after still listening to these witnesses, they oftentimes didn't believe that. But yet, that doesn't change the fact that the promises of God were still being fulfilled in their midst. Let's keep reading, though, because there's more to this lesson that Paul has. This time, verses 32 through 37. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So, it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Now, when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one who God raised from the dead did not see decay. Here is what's so much at the heart of what this promise is and the fulfillment of these promises. Well, I mean, that's what he says in verse 33. If you look at verse 33, we find out that God has promised these things. And he is fulfilled for us, the children. That is, the. it has to do with the people of Israel because Paul himself, he was one of those. He was part of the children of God, part of the children of Israel. And how was it fulfilled? It was fulfilled by raising up Jesus. Now Paul is is making a slight shift. He's already talked about how part of the promise was the Savior Jesus Christ. But now we see that part of the promise was even more than just that more than just savior, but also kind of, I guess you might say, how Jesus Christ is our savior. And that is, Jesus Christ was raised up from the dead. And we find from other passages in, in which we also kind of see starting to be hinted at here, Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, it did not just affect Jesus Christ, but it also affects us. And how it affects us is because it gives us hope that we will not really see decay either that we will be raised up from the dead as well in the sense of we won't have to suffer the the second death so to speak Uh, yes we as christians are still going to have to die you know unless the lord returns before then yes we as christians are still going to have to die but we're not going to have to die ultimately ultimately the final say is that the death doesn't get it death doesn't get its win no the victory is in jesus christ he is our savior He's been raised up from the dead, and he gives us hope. Let's keep reading. Acts chapter 13, verses 38 through 43. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder, and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So here, as we look at these promises, we see that there's a little bit more that we can learn from these promises of God. We find out here that it's through Jesus, who is not just the Savior, Jesus, as what's already been brought up by Paul, but that he also is not going to be uh, brought down by sin and death. Decay is not going to reach him. But also in verse 38, we find out that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Now, this should have been good news. This should have been great news to all people who were hearing him, that this Jesus really is just kind of a new chapter of what the the story about the people of Israel is. It's that from the people of Israel comes this promised Messiah. But sadly, many people rejected that message. And in fact, Paul proclaims a, a warning in verse 40. He says, make sure that what the prophets are saying doesn't happen to you. What are the prophets saying? Look again at verse 41. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. You know, sadly, that could have been fulfilled several times in uh, during the, the nation of Israel, during the people of Israel. Many times they didn't believe what God was doing, even though someone was telling them, even though sometimes God himself was the one that was telling them, they still failed to believe. And here in this passage, Paul is urging them. He's saying, you've got to recognize how important Jesus is. He is the ultimate fulfillment of all that has been promised to us. And some people did believe. But some people sadly fulfilled the words of what this prophet is saying in verse 41, that they wouldn't believe what God was doing, even though someone, Paul, as well as many other witnesses, were telling them what God was doing in their midst they still turned the other way and they wouldn't see what God was doing. Paul had this powerful message to proclaim and that is that the promises of God are being fulfilled in their midst. They were looking to them. They should have been able to see the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. I hope that we can be people who recognize the promises of of God being fulfilled whenever God is doing these things in our midst and I hope that we don't fall into the same trap as the What the prophet is talking about, I hope that we will believe what God is doing whenever we see Him doing it in our midst. But this isn't all to the message that Paul is proclaiming. He talks about the people of Israel, he talks about the promise or the promises of God, but then there's a final situation that we see come up in Acts 13, and that is persecution against the church. Now, sadly, that last passage. Um, You know, it kind of told us a little bit about what was going on with with Paul and how his message was received. But yet, that's sadly not the end of the story. The story continues on, and we find out that persecution does shortly come after this wonderful message about the gospel. Let's look at that together. This time, verses 44 through 52 of Acts 13. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, They were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. Then the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at a few phrases that shows up in this passage here. We find out Paul's message at this point. After he's already proclaimed to them how the people of Israel led to the promised Messiah and salvation through Jesus Christ, then he gets to this part. He's recognizing that not everybody is going to accept this message. He knew that already, but it becomes very obvious right here. In verse 46, he He explains to them why they went to the synagogue first, why they worshiped with the Jewish people first, and why they proclaimed this message first. And that is, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Who is the you there? It's the Jewish nation. The Jews had to receive this message first because it was from the people of Israel that all this was being fulfilled to begin with. But sadly, verse 46 also tells us that they rejected it. They also did not consider themselves worthy of eternal life. What do you do in that instance you know to paul it became pretty clear that he had to speak to israel first they rejected it they didn't consider themselves worthy of eternal life so what do we do well what did paul do he says we now turn to the gentiles and he recognized that even in the old testament they had several passages that they were called the whole nation of israel was called to be a light for the gentiles well If Israel wasn't going to listen and if Israel wasn't going to to jump on board with what Jesus, the Messiah and forgiveness of sins was all about in their day, then Paul just simply said that he's going to turn to the Gentiles and that he did. And we find in verse 48 that they were very glad about what was happening. They were glad to hear that they had a proper place among the people of God and they believed. And they were able to receive this eternal life. They were able to take hold of these promises that were originally promised to Israel. But but Israel failed to take hold of those promises. So now the Gentiles took hold of those promises. And guess what? We ourselves can take hold of those promises too. But we see that taking hold of those promises here in Paul's time, it resulted in some persecution. Because they didn't like the way that he was doing things. They didn't think he was doing it the right way because from their perspective, he was kind of bypassing Israel. He was bypassing the people of Israel, but he really wasn't. He gave them their chance to turn to God and follow him. And they rejected it. They they rejected eternal life. The Gentiles, however, accepted it. Well, we find out this last paragraph right here that the word, this message, It did spread throughout the whole land, throughout this whole region. But then we find out that the Jewish leaders, they got people riled up about it. They started persecution against Paul and against Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas responded with even the statements that Jesus says to shake the dust off of their feet. And that's what they did. They shook the dust off of their feet and they moved on. What do we find out about worship from all of these passages? We find out that worship, it first started with the people of Israel. And it was so important, the the, the part that they were called to play. And we find out that through the people of Israel, the promises of God were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. But we also find out that preaching that message, it meant persecution for the church. And whenever persecution came, what did Paul do? What did Barnabas do? Well, he continued on. They continued on. They shook the dust off of their feet and they moved on because they knew that God wanted them to proclaim this message. They had a wonderful message that needed to be spoken, not just to Israel, but now to all the nations. We still need to do that same thing. Whenever things don't always work right in the one sense, we need to shake the dust off of our feet. keep moving forward and keep following god and proclaiming his message proclaiming his word and being involved in what god is doing in our midst